All right, so our uh, gospel passage today will be coming from the Gospel of Matthew, the fifth chapter, verses 1 through 9. So I invite all of you to stand as you are able in the body and spirit for the reading of the gospel passage today. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. And then he began to speak and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. And blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. As some of you who have been here regularly in the summertime have picked up, we are on a series, okay? We are in the uh, Sermon on the Mount, focusing on the Beatitudes portion of Jesus' sermon there. And this is important for us. There's a lot we can gather from this Beatitudes or the Blessings section of his Sermon on the Mount. To set the scene, you know, you have Jesus being followed by a large crowd. And so then he goes up a mountainside with his disciples to talk, to teach to the disciples. But the crowd was within earshot. They can hear what he was saying. And so one important thing to know about the Beatitudes when Jesus is talking about who will be blessed in the kingdom of God, what are the characteristics of the kingdom of God? He's talking about the crowds that are currently present. He is talking about those who are poor in spirit that are present in the crowd, those who are mourning, those who are meek, those who hunger and thirst, those that show mercy, those that are pure in heart, those that are peacemakers, and those who are persecuted. He is telling his disciples, see, this is the new kingdom of God. And it looks a lot different than what the rest of the world would think it would look. So that's, that's the really neat thing about Jesus. That's the really neat thing about God, is that they see the world differently than we do. I mean, one prime example that is used a lot is look at Jesus' disciples. As a rabbi, you have to field your disciples. It's kind of like if you want to be a disciple of a rabbi, you kind of have to like apply to go to a college, and you get vetted. you got to know your scripture. It's a real honor to be a disciple of a prestigious rabbi. But how did Jesus call his disciples? Did he make them take an entrance test? Did he sit there and look at their background and say, did they match up? Can they be a disciple? Do they have a clean record? No, he didn't. He did it differently. His disciples were different than other rabbis and their disciples. Jesus would go up to people who didn't even know they're about to be called and say, hey, you come follow me. Hey, you fishermen over there, drop your nets and come follow me. Hey, you tax collector, traitor of your people, hey, come follow me. Hey, you the zealot who wants to overthrow the Roman government, come follow me. He has all of these people to make a ragtag group of disciples, but he saw them differently than the world did. And boy, did he get it correct because we're here in this church because of Jesus and his disciples and what they did over 2,000 years ago. 
See, Jesus and God sees the world differently. And so here we are at the Sermon on the Mount in this setting as Jesus is talking and teaching to those disciples saying, look at the crowd. The world will cast them out. They're just average. They're poor in spirit. They're meek. They're merciful. But hey, guess what? This is the kingdom of God. Blessed they are. And so this is something that we need to take note of. And so one way we can view the Beatitudes is that they are character traits that can mark and become goals for all Christians. It's not as if we major in one to the exclusive of the other, as in the case of, let's say, the spiritual gifts. We all have our own gifts, whether we realize it or not, and they're all different, but they work together for the body of Christ. But the Beatitudes, the characteristics of the kingdom of God, is something that we all should strive to have. And if you ever meet someone who claims to be a Christian but displays and desires none of these traits, that should be a red flag. But also, if you meet somebody who has claimed to master all of them, that's another red flag, because it is a continual growing process for us to grow into. And so today, we look at the seventh characteristic out of the eight. So we're getting close to the end of the series here. And today's characteristic is about peacemakers. As Gina did in the children's moment, she asked about peace and what is peace. Is it tranquility, calmness, quietness? Does that mean peace, Christian peacemakers should be quiet, though, all the time? Not necessarily. When I used to teach U.S. history, there was a story I always shared with my students. And it made me think of that when I was thinking of the peacemaker. Because being a peacemaker is not for the faint of heart. It is a hard job. And it can be a real dirty job sometimes. So the story that I thought of was about a man in the late 1800s by the name of George Waring. I don't know if y'all ever heard of him or not. But his little story was actually highlighted in the History Channel's America's Story of Us. If you ever have time, it's a good little series to watch. But his story is unique. He is a Civil War veteran. And then after his time in serving in the service... He was an engineer gifted in finding ways of getting clean water to folks and getting dirty water and waste away from folks so they wouldn't get sick. And so the city of Memphis after the Civil War was having a hard time separating dirty wastewater from drinking water. And they had a cholera outbreak and the city was losing people by the thousands. They were fleeing that town. So the city and the country was trying to figure out who can solve this problem. Well, James Waring stepped up and said, I can fix your problem. And he came up with an ingenious system of diverting the dirty water from the clean water and getting people the clean water and fixing the cholera outbreak within months. And people started to come back to the city. And he got a lot of recognition from that. So the country's biggest city at the time, which was New York City in the late 1800s, was doubling its population every decade. But with a doubling population in a city, you also have a lot of trash. And this is the day of horse carriages. And you had a lot of other waste in the streets. And it was filthy. Two feet, three feet tall piles of trash. People living in those conditions and just getting sick. George Waring gets called in, gets named commissioner of a new sanitary department, and he has a new idea how to get that dirty debris out of the city, get clean water in the city. He fixed it in three months. The city became clean. And the neat thing about it was that he employed a team of men that would wear 
completely white suits, like white rubber boots and helmets, and they had these big push brooms, and it was a sight to see. And they'd go through the city streets of New York, just cleaning it up, getting dirty, but looking all pristine and cleaning it up, getting it out of there. He cleaned the biggest city in the country. Talented, talented man, but not a job for the faint of heart. Nobody wants to sign up to be the chief garbage man of New York City. But someone's got to do it. And it's a needed job because people were going to get sick and die if it didn't happen. And so when I think of a Christian peacemaker, I think of someone who is signing up for a job that's not for the faint of heart and that can get a little dirty. I mean, just think about if, if God was to put this job in the paper as a one ad. Wanted organization seeking full-time employee that would root out and separate evil, that will be willing to be persecuted and is not passive. Earthly pay is zero dollars, but the retirement's out of this world. So you'd say, I don't know if I'm ready for that right now. I've got too much going on. But we're called to have that characteristic. We're called to be the Christian peacemaker. And so that makes us think, okay, if this is what we're supposed to be, if that's a characteristic of being a blessed community of God, what is it? If it's not being quiet and having tranquility all the time, what is a Christian peacemaker? How can I start redirecting my life to show that characteristic? Best example you got is Jesus. And his life was nothing but quiet, was it? His life wasn't just easy, hanging out at the Sea of Galilee, just fishing and hanging out and hanging out with the guys. Not so. His life was tough. But yet he was a peacemaker. And he's our best example of what a peacemaker will look like. You see, Jesus was also in constant conflict with the religious leaders of the day. Challenging them, altering the way that they can see Scripture, turning things upside down, calling rugged men to be his disciples, challenging the system, Jesus. He would go to the temple and run out the money changers with a whip, turning over tables. That's not very passive, is it? Not very tranquil, is it? But he was being a peacemaker. Sometimes being a peacemaker is more than just being in a passive existence. It is a very positive state of good, however. A peacemaker is more than one who just stops quarrels. They bring good into people's lives. A peacemaker might be involved in great conflicts as long as the forces of evil prevail. There's no way to have peace except for destroying evil. Peacemakers deal with corrupt issues so that there can be a true state of peace. And real peace can never be found in compromise with evil. There's a never peaceful coexistence. Peacemakers bring God and others to God. Man's basic problem is that he is to be reconciled to God. Jesus was persecuted. He got bruised a little bit. When he assumed those traits. So wouldn't you assume that when we take on the role of peacemaker. 
that we might get bruised a little bit too. But that's okay. As Christians, we say it, whether we realize it or not, when you proclaim to God in the world that you're a follower of Christ, you get a bullseye put on your back by the world. And they begin to ridicule you, make you second-guess yourself. But you're never alone. You have Christ and the Holy Spirit with you each and every step of the way. But that is why so many of us get frozen in our pews on Sunday mornings. We freeze up because we're afraid to step out there and get dirty a little bit and go about the business of what we're called to be. You know, there's a pastor out west, uh, Francis Chan. He's done some books and some studies. I've read them. Some of it's pretty good. One thing that I remember him saying is a sports analogy, and it's always just stuck with me because I'm a former coach, and some of you people who like sports will appreciate this, and I've used it before, but he said sometimes the world will look at the Christians and won't see anything real impressive about them because they'll go to church on Sunday mornings or Saturday night mass or whenever they go to church, go to their small groups or whatever, and they get together and they get all riled up and they get real passionate about God and they're going to change the world and change their lives. And as soon as they hit the door, they're not any different than the way than they walked in. And he says, kind of like a sports team. Imagine a football team going inside a stadium. The coach calls a play to the team and everybody gets riled up in the crowd as the world and is watching the team, which is the Christians. They get on the field and before they execute the play, they go and they sit back down on the benches and never execute the play. And they do it again, and they do it again, and they do it again. And the crowd stops cheering. And they're like, why did I pay $100 to see this? It's nothing special. And that's how sometimes the world can view Christians, because we become too afraid to break out of the pews and do something for Christ. But a peacemaker, what is the job of a peacemaker? We know Jesus is an example. We know it's going to be tough. It's going to be hard work. But what do you do? Well, the main goal of a peacemaker, Paul says it here in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18. This is what Paul says. All of this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. You see, in evangelism, we make peace between man and the God whom they have rejected and offended. We are to reconcile people to God. We are to bring them together. We are to point to God. We're not to be God, but we are to bring them to God. We are to show them the way. We are to show them the way. And how do you do that? There are many different ways we each and individually can do that. There are different ways we can help reconcile humanity to God, which is what we're called to do as peacemakers. You see, Jesus would challenge the religious right, would tell them they've got it wrong. They've got it backwards, and what they're doing and what they're telling the people is keeping them away from God. And so Jesus was trying to bring them back together by challenging the Pharisees. Or the money changers. They were taking advantage of those who were trying to do the faithful thing, to go and worship and offer sacrifices, but they were having a hard time because the money changers were taking advantage of them to make an extra buck. Along the way, that was keeping people from being connected to God. So Jesus was constantly challenging and trying to remove the barriers that would keep folks from being reconciled to God. So how do we do that? Well, first, 
we have to go back to the characteristic that was preached on last Sunday. I think it all starts there. Blessed are those who are pure in heart. You have to check your heart. If you've got a heart that's in strife, that's in trouble, that can't see the world the way God sees the world, then you're not going to be able to be a good peacemaker. So first, you've got to get your heart right. You've got to go to God in prayer and see what is clouding your heart from being that, what Jesus was to others. And so once you have that new view of yourself and you see what's clouding your heart and know that you're forgiven and you've been given the ability and the task to go out and be a peacemaker, you have your new identity in Jesus Christ and you can go and do this, then you must view man as Christ views man. And if you ever have to figure out how does Christ view man, he died for each and every person on this planet. And he wouldn't have done it if he didn't see a worth and value in each and every individual. So we are challenged and called to see the world as Christ does and see humanity as Christ does and as worthy of sacrifice. And that's hard because there's folks out there that we don't agree with, but we're still called to love them with a pure heart. And then in everything you do, you need to seek to glorify God. One of my favorite verses, and I wrote it on my bathroom mirror as a reminder, is 1 Corinthians 10, 31. It basically says, And whatever you do, whether it's eating or sleeping, you do it to the glory of God. Just going out to eat at a restaurant in the next 15 minutes, you need to have the mindset, I'm going out to honor God and to glorify Him. Because when people see you out at lunch, they know you're a Christian. They're watching you. You're probably the best Bible that any person may ever read. And so how you treat others and how you react and how you live your life, you can be a peacemaker and not even know it and be reconciling folks back to their God. Or whether you go into your families or into your workplaces, how you act and how you talk and what you do should be glorifying God so that you can be the peacemaker in their lives. And sometimes it calls you to do more than just to be living a life that glorifies Him. It sometimes calls you to act. God calls us to do that as well, to step out of our comfort zone. And yes, it's dirty. And yes, you might get bruised, but the world needs the peacemakers. And that's each and every one of you. And when you're out in the world performing the role of a peacemaker, you will be seen as children of God. We're all made in His image, and that's His image of love. And so when you go out glorifying Him, you are representing Him, and people will see you, and God will see you as children of God. One way I think of this is I think of a quote from our favorite probably all-time TV personalities, if you're anyway age 10 or older. And that's Mr. Rogers. And one time he was given a quote of what his mom would tell him whenever something bad would happen to reassure him that there's still some good in the world. And this is what he said. He said, when I was a boy, I would see some scary things in the news. And my mother would come to me and say, it's okay. Look for the helpers. 
you will always find people who are helping no matter the situation. And see, I see us as Christian peacemakers in a scary, scary world as the helpers. We're right there in the middle of it. Right there at ground zero where evil is rampant at its most and being the sneakiest that it can be where the helpers, we should be right there in the middle of it helping folks. That's where we will be and that's where we're called to be. So this week I challenge each and every one of you as I challenge myself each and every day Am I living a life as a Christian peacemaker? Some days I do okay and some days I don't. We're human. But we get up the next day, we put our feet on the ground, we get out of bed, and we try again. You try again and you try again. So church, I challenge you to see what is keeping your heart pure from allowing you to see the world the way God sees the world so you can be the peacemaker that God has called us all to be as we live and glorify him each and every day. And then we'll live for the day where we'll hear our Lord say, Blessed are you, for you are the peacemaker I called you to be. Blessed are you, because you are my child. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we are grateful to be here in your presence as we worship. Lord, we just ask that your spirit be upon us as we challenge ourselves to be the peacemaker in the world that desperately needs peacemakers. Allow us to look to Christ as the example we need to be and give us the strength and perseverance from when we get bruised a little while we do the dirty work. So, Father, thank you for believing in us and loving us and sacrificing your son for us. And it is in his name that we pray. Amen. As we close.